As you're seated, would you continue to worship and pray with me this morning? God, we come this morning to worship you and to pray for your coming. As we look at the world around us and we see the events happening and the needs and the brokenness, we wonder, God, how it can't be in too much longer before Jesus comes back and, and we long for that return, for that time when all will be restored and reconciliation will be accomplished and healing will be established and the kingdom of God reigns on the whole earth. As we wait, God, this morning, we recognize that our waiting is not a stagnant, not moving, not doing anything waiting, but it's an active waiting where we are already anticipating the, the coming of your kingdom. And we begin to want to work now, God, to live in that kingdom, even as we anticipate its full arrival on that day. God, bless us through your word this morning. Teach us how we can have patience and courage and know how to respond to your word and your call in our lives today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. My name's Kurt. I am the lead pastor here at Faith Covenant Church, and we are excited that you are here. If you are visiting with us this morning, a special welcome to you. We'd encourage you, don't run off after the service is over. Uh, We have our Mission Mocha Espresso Bar. We'd love to give you a free coffee and find out a little bit more about who you are, what brings you to church today, share a little bit about us. Uh, We just love to meet you and uh, find out how we can be a blessing to you this morning. We are in the middle of our series that we're calling Vital Signs, looking at the markers of a healthy missional church, because we are in the process of seeking God's guidance for us as a church. What is this call for us in the future? And we want to be sure that as we uh, feel like we are getting glimpses of where God is leading us, we're also challenging ourselves to make sure that what we see us doing fits with God's vision that he's given for what the church is in his word. And so we're looking at the biblical um, elements that make up a vital, living, healthy church. And this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about how the Bible encourages us to maintain a healthy global perspective and an engagement in the world around us. I don't know if you guys were uh, impacted by this picture that we have for today, but, but the hands holding the world, and I couldn't help but sit there thinking that, that old song, right? He's got the whole world in his hands. 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 And as I was thinking about that song and remembering it, I, I, I felt like maybe it was God's Spirit saying, you know what, as we talk about this issue of global perspective and engagement today, we have to recognize that we live in a global culture with satellite news that tells us what's happening on the other side of the planet in an instant with cell phones that are taking video and and posting it on the internet so we can see in, in real time all the things that are happening, I think one of the challenges is that we can begin to feel overwhelmed by the needs and the issues in our world. And we, we, can, we, can be, we want to care about it, but yet we feel uh, powerless to do anything to change this world. And so many of us, I think, get to the point where we say, Jesus, come soon, because there's not, not much hope that we have that we can reverse the course of the trajectory that this world is on. And yet in the midst of that anxiety, in the midst of that call for us to have a global perspective and to, to feel overwhelmed by that, We're reminded by God's Spirit and through His Word today that He's got the world in His hands. 
He doesn't ask us to be responsible for the whole world. He asks us to trust him with the care of his world. And if we believe that Jesus can meet the needs of the world and that God has the world in his hands, then maybe we can lift our eyes up. Maybe we can have courage to step out and be a part of his mission of love to the world, not feeling like we have to be responsible to save the world That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus gave his life. And God affirmed that that gift through his son Jesus was sufficient by raising him from the dead. And because Jesus is alive and we know that he's coming back, we can engage this topic this morning and in our lives without fear, without anxiety, but with courage and really seeking God, what do you have for us to do in this larger mission? I think the challenge for us today is, as a church, how do we continue to raise our sights above the immediate needs of our our own community and our own families and our own lives to see this larger mission that God has invited us to participate in, which includes the whole world? Biblically, we understand that healthy and missional churches maintain a global perspective and and involvement in global issues. We can go back to the very beginning of Jesus commissioning to the church with his disciples in Acts 1.8, and we've looked at this verse before, but this kind of gives us our, our big vision picture of what God's idea of why the church was founded. In, in Acts 1.8, Jesus tells his disciples, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And if you've been here with us through this series, you know we've been uh, talking about this. We, We are called to be God's witnesses in Sumner, and Puyallup, and Ording, and Bonnie Lake, and Auburn, as well as Washington State, and and to the ends of the earth where he might call us to go. We understand that as Faith Covenant Church, we are one mission outpost on God's mission field. And that part of being part of the universal church of Jesus Christ, we are also a part of that larger mission that all of God's churches are involved in and that we play a a small but a very significant part in that mission as we recognize that the little bit that we have to do is equally important to all the things that God is doing through his church and in the world. When I was growing up, global missions was both personally relevant for me and my family, and at the same time, kind of an arm's length away. My grandparents were missionaries. My grandmother started as a single woman feeling called by God to the South Sea Islands out in the Pacific. And my grandfather, before they got married, was in Japan. And uh, so they were out there as young, single people following the call of God into global missions and serving in, in these wild, exotic places back then. And I grew up, uh, by the time I was born, my family had emigrated to the United States. I was born and raised here. And I I heard stories of global mission that were, you know, two generations removed. And and those stories have impacted and formed my identity and my understanding of, of what kind of a global Christian I am. And yet, I also don't have the firsthand experience that my grandparents had. And in many of us who've grown up in the church, we've uh, supported missionaries. We may have had friends who've gone into the mission field, and, we, and we've experienced global mission from, from an arm's length perspective. But, but maybe uh, the challenge for us today is how do we get involved firsthand and make sure that we have a global perspective and engagement, even if we're not the ones that are called to go on mission to some far exotic place in the world? See, in our changing world, we're recognizing today that this call to a global perspective has much more in common with the early church 
in their day than it does to maybe the world that you and I grew up in. Rather than being the dominant culture that is seeking to go to the third world and and share with them these truths that we know that have allowed us to become the, the most powerful dominant culture in the world, we're finding more and more that the church of Jesus Christ is is ministering from the margins of society. We find ourselves more and more in a, a minority position in our culture. And in some ways we could think about that as a as a sign of the decline of the church. On the other hand, we might see that as an opportunity that God has given us to get back to the heart of what church is really to be about. And that maybe our job isn't to be the dominant culture in the world, but to be the most serving, the most influencing, the most loving culture in the world. And I think that, as we look back at the history of the church and those early Christians that went out into that diverse Roman culture, those were the marks of a community that attracted the world around them to this person named Jesus Christ and the possibility that maybe, just maybe, God had something that could change their lives as well. In Ephesians, the Apostle Paul highlights how the purpose of the church is to help reveal this mystery, he calls it, of Jesus Christ to the whole world. I want to spend most of our time talking about this passage in Ephesians this morning. If you want to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 4 through 6 and then jump down to verses 10 and 11 to get a better understanding of this mystery in Christ and how it relates to having a global perspective and being involved in God's mission to the world. In verse 4, Paul is continuing his teaching to the church in Ephesus, and he says, In reading this, then, this letter that he's writing to them, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. Members together of one body and shares together in the promise in Jesus Christ. He talks more about his own call to serve that that mission, but he jumps, let's jump down to verse 10. He says, God's intent, his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, this mystery that that Paul is talking about isn't so much mysterious to us anymore these thousands of years later, but in his day, it was groundbreaking. It was earth-shattering. It was culture-changing. That it's beyond possibility that Jesus came to announce that God's call to be a people set apart, to be in relationship with him, and to, to share this mission was more than just for the people of Israel. That there were non-Hebrew, non-Jewish people who God was going to include in the family of God in equal amounts that, to the same way that the people of Israel were. This was mind-blowing. And I think for us, the same idea holds true today that God's mission from the very beginning was never for one particular community, for one particular church, for one particular denomination. That God's call had a universal plan and a universal scope from the very beginning. And it's as that idea dawned on the minds of those early disciples, they began to realize and understand that God had a global perspective in sending his son Jesus to the world. 
And that, that global perspective included their call to be followers of Jesus, and it transformed their idea of what they were called to do as Jesus' disciples. And we know from history that those early disciples, those 12 apostles and, and the people that were with them, changed the entire world because of this new perspective that they had, that God had a plan to include everyone in the world in this family. See, Paul specifically relates this mystery of the gospel as the invitation to everyone, the universal scope of the good news of Jesus Christ. He states that this was to reveal the manifold or the multifaceted wisdom of God to the world, to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms, the highest uh, places of ideas and concepts in our world and in our culture. He's supposed to reveal this to them through the church. Part of our mission is to be revealers of God's wisdom to the world. And that's part of our global perspective is that we have the gifts and the truths and the uh, understanding of God's gift that is needed in Kenya and that is needed in South Africa and that's needed in China and that's needed on the island of Madagascar. All of those places to which God may send his people with this revelation that there's a mystery that maybe they don't understand and that God wants a relationship with them too. That God can bring his healing and his wholeness and his touch to their lives as well. Healthy missional churches are churches that are involved in some level of that mystery, seeking to engage what God is doing in our own culture, but also throughout the world. Maintaining a global perspective also helps us to keep our own lives and our own ministry in perspective, right? So often we can get focused on ourselves. We, we get those blinders on and we miss the larger context of what God wants us to understand. And we get to understand that it's not just about me. It's not just about us. As we ask what God is leading us to do as a church, we can't be asking just, you know, what is his will for Faith Covenant Church? But what is his will for our world? And how do we fit into that larger will? We take the same kind of commitment to... Uh, global perspective, as we talked about last week with ministries of compassion and mercy and justice, it, it starts with awareness. What, what is it that we need to be paying attention to that God wants to put on our hearts and our minds? We need to be learning about our world. Some people in our denomination have said it this way, we need to be developing our cross-cultural competencies. It's kind of academic sounding, right? Cross-cultural competencies. But essentially, it's saying we need to be able to put ourselves in somebody else's shoes to understand what their experience is, what their perspective is, so we can understand how to build bridges of relationship and then share the good news of Jesus Christ with them so they understand it in their context. We need to develop cross-cultural competencies. I've also heard it said that a person who only knows one culture knows no culture. Because you have to be able to step outside of your own culture and see it from somebody else's perspective to understand how much of what we experience every day is culturally specific. Because for us, it's just the air we breathe. It's just the way we do things. It doesn't seem to be necessarily culture. It's just our lives. But when we go and look at somebody else's life and we understand their perspective and their experience, we go, well, why do they do it so differently? Why do they see things differently? I mean, sometimes I think in our own marriages, we need to develop cross-cultural competencies in our homes, right? 
But it's that same relational dynamic that starts in our homes with our own marriages, with our own kids, with our own families. Even here at church, being able to see eye to eye around differing perspectives. That's cross-cultural competencies that we need to be able to develop and do well so that when we go out into the world and wherever God sends us, we have the ability to listen well, to hear the message behind the message, to understand what people's deeper concerns and fears are. So that when we share our testimony of what God has done for us, it translates to their experience and they go, oh, maybe, maybe God is for me as well. We can be a church that does a good job of learning more about what's happening in our world and having opportunities to educate one another on different issues going on and raising our level of understanding of the kinds of needs that are existing in our world so that when God calls us, we can respond to those needs. I have a friend of mine, a pastor who is in the Covenant Church, was also the director of mobilization for Frontiers Ministry. If you're not familiar with Frontiers Ministry, they try and raise up leaders and mobilize people to go into the most unreached people groups around the world. And I had a chance to, to meet Dave and to talk with Dave on multiple occasions and just hear about the kind of work that they were trying to do. And, and he said the, the two kind of primary places that they have been focusing on in recent years are the different places in, in the Muslim world because they're least receptive to hearing about Jesus Christ. In fact, they're often anti-Christian. Uh, and then in India, where you just have these masses of people who, who are, have never heard the gospel and, and, and these the caste systems that have conditioned people to see themselves as less than and, and lower class citizens and they're out there in poor poverty conditions and they've never heard the good news of Jesus Christ. And they're trying to figure out how do we raise up people who are willing to go into these places that have never heard the good news message and get people there to love them, to, to find inroads into their community and to understand their experience and then to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. And what he says is really hard. It's getting harder and harder to find people who are willing to put themselves into those difficult, risky, challenging circumstances. And, and I get it. I mean, I don't know that I'd be willing to go to India or into the Muslim world to, to, to share the good news of Jesus Christ in a place where they might cut off my head. And yet we look biblically and we see all of the martyrs and the saints, and we see through history all of those people who have felt the call of Jesus Christ to go and to share the good news. And we rest on the, the work that they've done. And we need to celebrate that and recognize that. Now, this isn't a guilt trip that you should be willing to you know, go to India tomorrow. That's, that's not what this is about. But we have to understand that as the church universal, that that is a part of our call. And that our job is to, if not go then to ask, how are we supporting those who are willing to go? How are we developing and raising up leaders in, in, in God's church that m God might be called to be the ones who go? And how do we pray for them and support them and encourage them? I mean, if you think about the missionaries that you've been connected with or that you've known, how many of them are out there doing missionary work overseas around the world totally on their own? I would venture to say probably not any. Because we can imagine that to go into a difficult part of the world and, and to, to develop cross-cultural ministries that, that build relationship and that allow trust to build so that you can even share the gospel of Jesus Christ takes probably an army of people behind them of financial support and prayer support and even years of discipling and developing them to be even ready to go. You see, 
global mission is not just sending one person or one mission team. It's an ongoing developmental process that we as a church need to be engaged in if we understand that that's a part of our call in it to be a community of Jesus Christ. So the second thing we need to be doing beyond raising awareness is we have to become intentional about building those systems and those pathways that allow those who are called by God to go to be supported and encouraged and sustained in the ministries that they do. The first and most important one is that we can be prayerfully praying for those people, those who, who God has not called yet and those that are already out in the mission field doing work. The covenant provides a, a prayer calendar for all the missionaries that are out in the field. And, and, and if you would ever be interested in one, you can go through and you can be praying for missionaries who are out there doing that, that work uh, every day or every week. We, can do, we can't do everything in missions, but the other thing is we can do something. And I think as a church, we need to start focusing on what are the things that we can do and how do we do those well? And how do we let everybody know how we can each be a part of doing that well so that we apply our similar planning and wise stewardship to our missions work that we're trying to engage in in our own vision and what God is calling us to do here locally in our own community. And finally, that leads to really the third point is that missions is for the whole church. It's for everybody. It's not like some are called to missions and some are not. Everybody has the opportunity to engage in being a part of God's mission to the whole world. We can be teaching and learning with our kids about how they can understand the ways that they can participate. Uh, our, the denomination has started a new movement called Project Blue, which is just trying to help get clean water to people around the world, and they're developing curriculum that we can use to share with our kids. They're developing opportunities for us as adults to engage in, in walking for clean water, or some of us who ran in the uh, Seattle Rock and Roll Marathon this last summer with World Vision, you know, all the money that we raised went to providing clean water for people in Africa. Those are ways that we can be involved in global engagement, even if we're not the ones going around the world. We as a church have been faithfully supporting missionary work for years, and and we set aside a significant percentage of our money every year to go to God's mission around the world and here in our local communities. And, and, and this is one of the things that is uh, really meaningful for me is that we have a real heart and a passion to be part of God's global mission in the world. And I think that one of the things that we can do is we can help one another to say, how can we all get involved in the things that we're already doing and participate in more significant ways so that we're equipping one another in growing in our ability to feel like this is something we are doing together as a church. Not every person's called to go overseas as a missionary, but every missionary represents a larger network of people who are involved in supporting and caring for them. The other thing that we have to remember that God has the world in his hands, and it's his mission of love to the world. It's not our mission, it's his mission, and as we participate in him, he calls us into his world. This morning, we get to participate in communion. And as we come to this table as Christians, and we participate in this meal that Jesus instituted, we are reminded every time that we come that the body and the blood of Jesus was given so that we could be a part of this family of God. Our sins have been forgiven. Our 
brokenness is being healed. Our lives are being transformed because of this gift that Jesus has given us. And we celebrate that when we come to worship on Sunday morning. We celebrate that as a faith community when we participate in this meal together. Yet we're also reminded that this meal, this gift is not just for us alone, but but in this table is represented God's love for the whole world. And as we come to communion, we are invited to see beyond just our own needs to the ways that God's Spirit is calling His church to meet the needs of the global community around us, both in terms of meeting the need and loving mercy, but also solving the problems and doing justice. And in the midst of that, sharing our testimony and the good news that Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. The same Jesus that died on the cross, rose from the dead, and and ascended to heaven. And because he is there and is coming soon, we can enter into this mission with courage and with joy and with freedom because it's not our job to save the world. It's simply our job to respond to the Holy Spirit in obedience and use the gifts and the talents and the resources that he's given us to allow us to be a blessing to those around us. And then we can celebrate the ways that God uses our broken loaves and fish to multiply them for a hurting and a lost world. Would you pray with me? God, we do thank you that you are actively engaged in pursuing your world. Help us this morning, God, as we come to this communion table to remind, be reminded that you invite us to be a part of that mission as well. Help us to, to be able to raise our own awareness of the needs of our global community and to understand how we can be in prayer for those people who are serving in places that are risky and scary and often difficult. God, help us to be intentional about developing people and helping them to see how they can respond to your call, whether it's to go themselves or to support and encourage those who you do call to go to all the places you would send them in the world. And God, help us to be people who tell stories, who, who don't forget those people out there, but we remember and we celebrate the ways that you are moving, and that we see the kingdom of God advancing as we wait for your ultimate return and the kingdom of God to be fully established on this earth. We ask this in Jesus' name.